Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. If you have your Bible, we want you to go to Second uh, Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy 4, there's a passage here that uh, we're going to get excited about today because it's, uh, it's troubling. <laughs> How about that? We're going to get excited about it because it's troubling. Uh, and, but this is a sermon series we're in called Letters to Young Leaders. And Paul has, um, has a situation. He's been in prison. He's, uh, he's going to go back to prison. He's, uh, he's having some troubles in his life. But he continues to pastor. And so he writes a couple of his guys. One's named Timothy, another's named Titus. He says, boys, there's some things I need for you to know because I get the fact that you're pastoring, but pastoring is not easy. Now, by the way, I want you all to know you're a pretty easy group to pastor. Thank you for that. The reason is we're non-gossiping congregation. So it's not a lot of yeah-yeah going on behind people's back. There's no power plays here. It's really a great group to pastor. Thank you for being that group. I'm just telling you, thank you for being that group. You're a joy to pastor. However, I've got to tell you here, there's some things that kind of sometimes go off the rails. There are people that go off the rails. And uh, that's actually what this is all about. There's an apologist named Michael Ramsden that once said this, I'm lurching around here for Mike. I'm going to need my glasses. Michael Ramsden had a friend who, uh, who was indeed in another country. And he was doing a seminar on peace. So he says, what I want you to do right now is close your eyes. And everybody closed their eyes. He said, now, I just want you to think about peace. So everybody had their eyes closed. Everybody was thinking about peace. He waited for a few moments. He said, now, I'd like you to open your eyes and tell me what you saw. Well, someone said, oh, I'll tell you. I saw my favorite flowers, and I saw beautiful trees. Somebody else says, I saw mountaintops with snow and pine trees. Somebody else said, I I saw a beautiful, serene lake. One thing was missing. All of them had no people in them. Every time I think of peace, no one's there. He says, and Ramson says, you know, isn't it interesting? When asked to imagine peace, the first thing we decide to eliminate is everyone else. Just me and the trees and my favorite flowers. Oh, that's peace. Y'all, that's not reality. It might be peace, but it's not reality. And God didn't design peace for you and the trees. He designed peace for you and people. And now, the, the first ones of these people are going to be the people called Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? And you were created in their image. So that means you are image bearers. And part of that image bearing means you will be people of peace when you are at your best. Now, sometimes we're not, <laughs> sometimes we're not at our best. Sometimes we struggle. But when you're at your best, you're going to be people of shalom, is the Old Testament word of, and of peace. But when we're not, we can create some major havoc in this world. Has anybody ever known some of that havoc? Either you brought it on yourself, anybody ever brought havoc on yourself? Yeah. That every hand should have gone up right there. Yep, oh yeah. Anybody ever brought it on somebody else? Now, has anybody ever brought it on or from somebody else to you? You were quite innocent in the whole thing, but here it came to you. And that's the thing. 
Shalom or peace is meant for us together, not just for nature. But we recognize if we're in the kingdom business, sometimes disappointment with people will come. Now, if you'll go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 and following. And let me read for you. He says to Timothy, make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. And he's gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me, so take along Mark and bring him with you. For he's useful to me for service. Then go down to verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. You know, well, I think what he's saying is, look, Alexander did me great harm. It's not up to me to get back at him. And it's not up to you to get back at him. Let Jesus take care of it. So Lord, help us. Help us as we deal with people. Externally, folks that are outside of our Christian walk, and these guys were kind of on the inside for those who are inside. And help us to know that's the deal. Inside and out, disappointment can and will come. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me talk to you about Alexander. We're not sure who's being referred to here. Now, there is an Alexander that's talked about in 1 Timothy. That Alexander, uh, Paul just says, I, I handed over to Satan, which doesn't sound good at all to me. Uh, but that's radical disaffiliation. He just says, listen, he was so bad and so wicked and so evil, I just handed him over. And there's some thought that maybe this thing was across uh, about the issue of the resurrection. And that maybe Alexander decides, I'm not into the resurrection thing. I, didn't, I don't see it. I don't see how that could happen. And so Paul's saying, but it did happen. And uh, if you don't believe it, that's the minimum of what we believe around here. And then there's Demas. We know exactly who this is. He was mentioned as a co-worker with Luke and Mark in Colossians and Philemon and stayed with Paul when Paul was in Roman imprisonment. So we know. So this is what's really something about Demas. Demas was with Paul in some really tough times. But apparently something happened. The things got even tougher, and Demas finally said, you know, enough of this. What is this? And deserted Paul. So... Four quick points here, and the first one is this. If Jesus and Paul had relational disappointments, <laughs> don't be surprised if you do too. And what I, I would say to you is, when those relational disappointments come, it doesn't mean, you know, I'm out of here. Because I'm going to tell you, we got a great crew. I'm just look around this morning. we got a great group of people here this morning. So many here have worked in prisons and outside abortion clinics and have gone to the public school and read to kids. Uh, we've been in nursing homes into the VA. All the things we talked about this morning, this is the group of people that have done that. But I'm also going to tell you, sometimes this is a group of people will tick you off. You think, it just shouldn't happen that way. I'm going to go look for nirvana. And you skip around to churches and you find out that every church I've ever been to has disappointed me. Hello? Churches are made up of people. And people will sometimes disappoint you. This shouldn't surprise you. In fact, I think the Lord uses those people to sanctify you. 
to actually bring you to a higher and better place. Because if no one ever comes against you, no one ever disappoints you, you'll never have to forgive. And forgiveness is part of the, one of the central messages of our faith. But if you never have to do it, you never get to exercise it. If you don't exercise that forgiveness muscle, you can't be holy. So you exercise that forgiveness, that love your enemy thing. Boy, I would... I'm, I, w- I was right with the Jesus program when he said, love your neighbor. Well, I think I could do that. I kind of like Annalita. She lived next door. I kind of like uh, the good ones. Uh, they let me listen to Cat Stevens on, in their house. I, I like them. But then he said, and love your enemies. Well, that was a step across the line for me and Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a disappointing statement right there. He says, oh, no, Matt. That's how I'm going to sanctify you. As you love the unlovable, I'm going to bring grace into your life like you've never known it before. And if you don't want to do it, guess what? Read that part in Scripture. You'll be able to find it if you look a little bit in 1 John, where if you hate, you're not going to heaven. No one who hates inherits the kingdom of God. You need to learn to love. Amen? I'm not getting the amens where I want them here. I'm just telling you right now. Some of you need to get in the amen corner. This stuff is serious. And so, disappointments will come. Disappointments actually should come. And when they come, you say, you know, I'm going to deal with them, and I'm going to let these things sink. Now, Paul, for crying out loud, had an incredible testimony this way. In fact, it's legendary. Paul's testimony, 2 Corinthians. I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more. By the way, he's in prison because... His people hated his guts. That's why he was in prison. His people. The people he grew up with. The people that he was becoming a rabbi for. His people learned to hate him to such a degree, we're going to cause him problems the rest of his life. And boy, did they ever. I've been in prison more frequently. Been flogged. Flogged? Now listen, maybe I could put up with the prison thing if it was an extreme situation. But when the whip starts coming across my back, Whoa! Been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times received from the Jews, 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger with bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, my old compadres, my friends, in danger with Gentiles. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored, I have told, and often gone without sleep. I have often hungered and thirsted and have gone without food. I have been cold and I have been naked. Besides all of that, I face daily the pressure of my concern for my churches. And that's Paul. And guess what? He was living the abundant life. Oh my goodness. What if we find out that the abundant life includes trouble? It does. By the way, the life without abundance includes trouble. You've just got to choose. Do you want the trouble with Jesus or the trouble without Jesus? Can I highly recommend you take the trouble with Jesus?
Because he will help you, he will sanctify you, he will make you holy even as he is holy. Point number one is, if you've been made in his image, guess what? <laughs> You're going to have some trouble. And we ought to expect it. The second thing is, we ought to just expect that relational distress. Expect it. And I, I like this term, budget it into your life. I think I've told you about farmers in Kansas. I love farmers. Uh, the farmers in Kansas, they have just budgeted trouble in their lives. You know, today they walk across their farms. I grew up in the Midwest and, and grew up around farmers. And, and they're my favorite people because, you know, my family kind of, when they got mad, they blew a gasket. They were all hot and mad and cussed. And, but when farmers, when I was around them, I was around like Raymond Brining. And Raymond, one of my dad's closest friends, but Raymond, when something went bad with him, he just said, well, let's go take care of it. And he'd just patiently go off and take care of it. I thought, wow, what a difference between him and what I usually see. And what I noticed was that was just Raymond Brining. And what I further noticed eventually was he just had budgeted that. The ten things are going to go wrong today. And if anything less than ten, wow, what an incredible day. Anything more than ten? Yeah, sometimes that happens. But he just expected that the combine was going to break. And that he'd have to take his toolbox out there and fix it. He just assumed that a cow would fall down and couldn't get up. He just assumed that someone would cut through the barbed wire. He just assumed these things, so he didn't get bent out of shape. He just said, yep, that's a normal day. Let me go take care of it. Y'all, you need to budget bad things into your day. Not expect them necessarily, but just say, when they happen, let me use those moments for sanctification, that he might make me even more holy. James 1 says, Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be, I love this, perfect, that you may be complete, lacking in nothing. So we can expect, we should expect trials and relational distress. John 15 says it like this, If they persecuted me, says Jesus, guess what? They'll do the same thing to you. 2 Timothy says, indeed, all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will have persecution, will have trouble. So sometimes that trouble persecution comes from outside. But as Paul found out, sometimes it comes from inside. I think Jesus found the same thing. Oh my goodness, look. The outsiders have my 12. I've got 12, so let's make that the inside. Everything else is outside. The outsiders want to beat me and spit in my face and want to put me on a cross. The insiders want to betray me and deny me. And when I need them the most, want to run for their lives and hide underneath bridges. And Jesus said, I budgeted it in. I'll be okay. Will you be okay? This week when it happens to you. Now there's wisdom in being on your guard against certain people. Being on your guard doesn't mean don't love them. It just means always kind of have the antennas up. It says Demas loved this world. Now there are a couple possibilities for what it meant for Demas to love this world. Now he says he loved the things of the world. Things obviously antithetical in Paul's mind to Christ. And he went in another direction. It's really not an uncommon problem for these things to happen to the body of Christ. I can think of instances right now with people who are related to us 
They love the things of the world and they're not with us any longer. Does that shock me? It would shock me if we weren't true of the entire body. Of course. Look, we're going to be ministering to people that have issues. Sometimes they go off on those issues. Does that bother us? Yes, of course it bothers us. Does it surprise us? Yeah, if that surprises you, you just haven't lived long enough. Disappoint us? It should. But disappoint us so much that it drives us back to prayer for them. So Demas went off. We don't know what the things of the world were. Ease, comfort, materialism, money, gossip, power plays, contention. This can go on and on, the things of the world. When we come to Jesus, we need to give up those things. We need to accept Jesus wholly and completely. Second thing is this about Demas. Maybe he loved his life and didn't want to lose it. (laughs) Well, that wouldn't be that shocking, would it? Yeah, kind of like me. I don't think I want me to be put on a cross like Jesus. Or I kind of like me, and I've seen Paul uh, get beaten with rods, get beaten with whips. I've seen Paul get stoned. i got a higher ideal for my life. I'm sorry, Paul. I have higher hopes for me than that. Now, I think we could all understand that. But I like what Asian Access does. There's a country, they decided not to tell us what the country is because this is kind of quiet stuff internationally. There's a Christian missions agency in South Asia. And when, in this particular nation, they were ministering to predominantly Hindu people. And so people were coming to them. Actually, many of the poor and the oppressed were coming and wanting to receive Jesus. They found hope in Jesus Christ that they weren't finding in the Hindu gods. So when they came to Jesus, they wanted to make sure that these converts, those who were about ready to be baptized, knew what they were getting into. So they'd ask them some questions. They'd ask them seven questions. So we want to be baptized. Okay, we're willing to baptize you, but first let us ask you some questions. Are you willing to leave home and leave the blessing of your father? Now, in other words, your family's Hindu. You're not going to be. What they could do is say, you're out of our life. Are you willing to do that? Number two. Are you willing to lose your job? It may well happen. Number three, are you willing to go to the village and those who persecute you and forgive them and share the love of Jesus with them? Number four, are you willing to give an offering to the Lord? I'm poor. Yeah, especially if you're poor. Are you willing to give an offering to Jesus? Are you willing to be beaten rather than deny your faith? Are you willing to go to prison? And finally, number seven, are you willing to die for Jesus? I'd be very interested to know. How many of us in this room would answer those questions honestly and say yes to everyone? And if all those things came for us this week, at the end of the week, we'd still be saying yes to Jesus. Apparently, this is how you don't be Demas. Sobering reminder, for all Christians of every continent, what it might cost to follow Jesus. Now, that's the Demas part of this. The Alexander part 
he did harm and he opposed the message. Now, we're not sure how Alexander did this. Again, there's some scriptural inference that the issue might have been the resurrection. So what we know is that if you live the Christian faith or if you proclaim the gospel message, there will be harm that will be done to your life and message and opposition is inevitable. Can I have my phone real quick again, Austin? Um, so, I just want to share with you something. I never do this kind of thing during a message. What am I doing it for now? Hey, Matt. From a guy who uh, was a visitor in and out of our church for years. Um, some of his children belong here, so that's why he was a visitor in and out. So we kind of established a relationship. He said, hey, Matt, I'm not one to have prophetic dreams, but I had a dream about you being viciously attacked physically for your faith. You recovered. I just wanted you to know I'm praying the blood of Jesus to surround you and Mary. Take great care. Now, Taking great care can mean I ain't going to do some of those things I usually do because or can mean I take great care to do everything that Jesus wants me to do no matter what for His kingdom and for His glory. Everything He asks me to do, I will do and I'll take great care to do it. I wrote back, holding tight to the eighth beatitude. Thanks. No, I appreciate Him sharing it. But you know the eighth beatitude. Blessed are those persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice. Be glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Are you kidding me? Hey, Matt, if it happens... Put a grin on your face, man. Because what happened to me is happening to you. What happened to the prophets? What happened to Jeremiah? Uh, what happened to them is happening to you. I think America is a pretty easy place to be a Christian, actually. But having said that, it ain't always going to be. We have a message. It will always be opposed. Budget that into your brains, guys. If I live this message, if I proclaim this message, of course it's going to be opposed. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. When it's opposed, I'm not going to walk around and get on Facebook and cause a stink. I'm going to say, Hallelujah! We used to say a prayer for our kids. I only said it because... If these kids actually do what we're praying for here, bad things could happen. I just say, Jesus, send us to the dark place of the world, the hard place of the world, the places where no one else wants to go, the places where they might have to bleed and die for the gospel. And Lord, when they bleed and when they die, and we hear about it back in Jackson, Mississippi, our value is, we'll not ask the question, why? Why did that have to happen? We will sing, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. 
The fourth thing is this. And let me just remind you, if Jesus had relational disappointments, if Paul had relational disappointments, we shouldn't be surprised if we do too. It's wise to budget relational distress into your life. There's wisdom in being on your guard against certain people. But I want to say this before we're done. There's hope for Demas and for the Alexanders of the world. You can desert, love the world, do the work of the Lord harm. You can oppose Jesus and still come back. The prevenient grace of God is wooing you back. (laughs) I like what some churches do. We probably ought to figure out a way to do it too. They have a wall somewhere in their church for what they call the prodigals. People of our families, maybe even of our church, that have gone away. They deserted us. They've deserted the faith. And we just want to pray for them especially. The Demas and the Alexanders of our congregation, the Demas and the Alexanders of our family, we want to pray for them especially. Have their name on a wall. Go up there and touch that name. Pray God down on them. Pray God's prevenient grace would tenderize their hearts their minds, their imaginations for this gospel. It'd be kind of cool to have a prodigal wall around here somewhere, wouldn't it? But I'm going to tell you, whether we have a wall for it or not, you need to have a wall for it in your heart. And we don't just cast away people and say, forget them. We say, no, we're praying demons back in. We're going to love Alexander back in. We're going to do it. And it can be done. I want to end with this. I saw this over the weekend. I thought, this is so good. I'm going to include it. June of 1992. Gloria Davy and a few friends were walking along the English countryside. They came upon some ruins. It was a ruined church that had been damaged all the way back in World War I. So it had been some time, obviously. And they looked at it, and the church had been desecrated by Satanists. A lot of satanic symbols all over this thing. So you can imagine, for that reason alone, you see a a pile of a former church and satanic desecrations, and you can just imagine why people kind of go wide around that thing. I don't think we're going to mess with that. Well, she decided, maybe God's got something in mind. But she thought it, her husband did it. She told her husband, somebody's got to do something. And her husband looked up and says, I'll do something. So he had been recently retired. He made a decision that would dominate his life for the next 22 years. I'm going to fix St. Mary's Church. Satan tore it down. I, with the help of God Almighty, will build it back up. Says she couldn't see the tower. There was no roof, windows, or floor. Nothing. Nothing, really. But Bob says, it's my duty to go and save it. So he walked inside. The door was long gone. And that afternoon, he started clearing out 60 years worth of rubbish. And for 22 years, he was there every single day. For 22 years, he was there every single day. He said, I haven't had a holiday in 22 years. 
Hadn't wanted one. Who wants to retire? He said, my advice to others. Don't retire, play golf, or buy a Spanish villa when you retire. Find yourself a ruined church to save. (laughs) Find something that's broken down. Go in and say, you know, I bet there's some Alexanders and Demases in this old place. Exactly where I need to belong. Come on in, y'all. Because at the end of the day, the church is not a building. I appreciate 22 years of rebuilding a building. But at the end of the day, a church is not a building. Dayspring Church is not this stuff. Dayspring Church is you. In fact, do it right now. Look across at somebody and say, hey, Dayspring. Just do it right now. Hey, Dayspring. That's us. We are the church, not the building. If the building goes down, we march on. We march on. We march on. And so Bob says, listen, I live long enough for the Satanists to send me a message about the whole thing. If you continue to come here, we'll kill you. I said, I ain't frightening no Satanist. And he kept coming until he died at age 91. Y'all, we are church people. God has called us to participate with Him to build this church. But more than that, He's called us to leave this church, just like we did on the prayer walk yesterday. We left the building with prayer. I like praying in here. I like even more praying out there and carrying Dayspring into this business. Carrying Dayspring to this guy sipping coffee and looking at his iPhone. Carrying Jesus. Remember that guy? Is the name Robert? He was in that truck. Three of us passed him right by. I said, wait a minute. Hey, he's Matt Friedman. We're a bunch of nutcases just kind of walking around praying. Can we pray for you? I said, oh, yeah. We just prayed for him. That's the church. That's the church. The church... We've been out in front of the abortion clinic for 22 years. That's the church. The church was at the men and women's prison this morning. That's the church. The church, (laughs) Jody, we're trying to find ways to get in that school. We're going to get in that school finally. We're going to get in with a Bible club and with us who are going to go in and read. That's the church. Eventually, God help us, they're going to open up those nursing homes back up. And when they do, we're back in those nursing homes and the VA and whatever else is going to open to us after covid We, the church, not the building. The building's not the church. We're the church. We're going back in. And you know, when we go back in, we'll be disappointed. Demas will be there. Alexander will be there. And probably the person we're going with may end up being Alexander Demas too. That's happened at Dayspring. And guess what? We're not going to freak out. We're going to keep going anywhere. We're not going to stop and say, oh, oh. My feelings are hurt. You know, that church, they, they were so damaging to me because you know what they did to me? They did this thing to me. And say, yeah? Whoa, did you not read 2 Timothy? Paul said, expect it. It happened to me. It'll happen to you. When it happens, we're going to keep all walking. Walking with Jesus, walking with the church. Even when the church disappoints us, we're going to keep walking. And when we do... God's going to bless our socks off. And He has for 22 years. 
He's blessed our socks off. We're not the biggest church. Look around. Have you noticed we're not the biggest church? But that stuff I just read you a few moments ago, almost no church in America can read a list of that kind of stuff off. Because most people think church is here. Dayspring says church goes out there. Thank you. Thank you for being willing to be used by Jesus out there. Thank you, although Alexander has shown up occasionally, and so has Demas. You didn't let it throttle you. You just kept plugging. Thank you for being the salt. I mean it. As your pastor, just thank you for being the light. Some of you were here the very first day. I got a son. My church planter son met him the first day of this church. We opened at a skating rink. How embarrassing is that? We opened up at a skating rink, and two little guys about that high ran into each other and became best friends and have been ever since. Because although Alexander and Demas occasionally shows up, so does your best friend. And some of you are that to me. And I'm here because you've held up my arms. I'm here because you held up my arms. I hope maybe I've done a little something in your life, but forget all about that. Look at the people who have done something in your life across this place. Jesus is blessing us And I'm going to say it because I say it all the time. Are you ready for this? The best is yet to come. Do you believe that? Then stand up. I'm going to ask a blessing on us. Lord Jesus, we're going to get together tonight and we're going to party. And we like to party, Lord. The kingdom of God is a party. All over the Bible, you talk about parties that you participate in, parties you wanted us to throw. Lord, we celebrate a birthday tonight, our birthday. What you've done through us for 22 years. And we're going to have a fun time. We're going to bring chili, going to bring desserts, and we're just going to celebrate all that you mean to us. And we love you. We love each other. We love the Alexanders. We love the Demases. We together love you this morning. And thank you for your blessing. Those best days, we feel them. They're coming. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, dear friends.